Welcome to the 100th episode of As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week, for 100 weeks, we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, and only this week, it's radio. Shaken like a Tim Crisp, the host of As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, with my co-host, mm-hmm. David Anthony, of As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we celebrate 100 weeks of As You Were, a podcast mm-hmm. about Alkaline Trio. It's kind of like the itchy and scratchy land with the New Year's every five minutes. Yeah, basically. <laughs> There's a lot of suicides on the roof. Um, Let's bump it. Bam. One fucking hundred episodes Crazy. of this show. I am so overjoyed to still be doing this thing with you, my Me friend. Me too. I'm glad we made it this far. I, so many songs we've talked about. We have talked about so many songs, and we have said, what should we talk about for episode 100? We left it up to our patrons. Yep. Our loyal Loyal family over at patreon.com slash as you were. We gave them a list of nothing but we checked heavy it twice. hitters. Exactly, you elf. Um, nothing but heavy hitters on this list. It wasn't close. I'm not surprised. This is a big one. Is it the biggest? It just might be the biggest. Which is crazy, right? Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, it makes sense to me, but it also doesn't and has always kind of confused me. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's get into why, why don't we? Why not? Why not? Hey, 100th episode, we might as well talk about the song. Radio. When, Fun fact, when I first got this CD, mm-hmm. uh, it was... The experience of hearing the song the first time was like, wow, that song's great. And then I kind of just watched it become a thing, which was very weird because I definitely would like burn copies of this for friends and pass it around and people liked it, but they always loved this song mm-hmm. in particular. So I think very early on, I was getting the sense like, oh, this is the one. But then it got into this weird part like where I was in high school in college and like, this is somehow the song people knew. And I never understood why, because it's not on one of the big label records on vagrant. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, their second record, which is kind of the weirdest one. There's a lot of weird fucking material on this thing. Largely pretty inaccessible. But at the end of the album, there's this huge crowd-pleasing kind of ballad thing. And I have just always wondered at what point it turned the corner and it's like, oh, that's the hit. Because it wasn't immediate. Mm-hmm. But it happened. Yeah, it did. I think that this song is its so singular. And I think that it hits on such a simple level that and I that's 
so far from a reduction. Sure. This reaches people. It tells them everything so plainly. Mm -hmm. And it's got two modes, really quiet and pretty and really loud and emphatically pissed off. Yeah. And that's that's it that tells you that tells you everything there's no there's no message that's lost in this and when something is able to hit you on such an elemental level of experience it's just i think it's it makes sense that so many people know it mm-hmm. love it and recognize it because it's also <laughs> so memorable I mean, that's true. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is you hear it come in and it's like, oh, how is this not written before? I know. It's so simple. And I think it became the song that so many people were like, I need to learn how to play this on guitar. I remember uh, a friend of mine, Erica, who I used to work with, who's like not a punk person at all. I remember hanging out like one of the first times we were hanging out and like she was just like filling with a guitar and started playing this riff. And I was like, how do you know that? Mm hmm. You know, because it was just like, this is so out of your realm. But I, somehow it got to you, too. I think that this and Damn It by Blink-182 are, are like the two most like just known guitar riffs. And this probably more than Damn It, even. Um, and it's, it is crazy to think about the fact that it comes on the second record when all all he does is just take those low down mm-hmm. open e play something on uh on the a and he just says no do do open d mm-hmm. and and just hit that g just 11 11 9 like it's i mean it's so super simple. it's super simple but you know i think it speaks to why it hits and i do think i think if i was to pick a thing that I think also helped push it over is have you seen the performance of it on the uh, Warp Tour 2003 DVD? No, I haven't. Whoa. Um, it's wild. Uh-huh. It's on YouTube. We should watch it. Yeah. Maybe even do a pause uh-huh. because I remember when that DVD came out getting it and a lot of my friends getting it and everyone was obsessed with the performance of radio for two reasons. One, Matsky was fucking unhinged in it. He's like beat red, screaming veins popping out of his neck. Like he looks horrified. And he's like literally screaming to such a degree that it's like not even musical. Mm-hmm. And then in the last chorus, Chris number two from Anti-Flag and Chuck from Hot Water Music run up on stage to sing it as he goes down into the crowd. And it was like the big closer to this DVD. And I remember people passing that shit around and being like, you've got to see this because it was like most of it's just, you know, live performances from some warp tour. Sure. A yeah. day. You watch Tsunami and, Bomb in yeah, Cleveland. But like, I think that got so much attention because it was like, when a lot of shit was starting to blow up, like the used was on it. Mm-hmm. And like, I think, uh, I was going to say streetlight manifesto, not them. What's the piano band. 
Oh, Stray Light Run? No, not that. Oh, okay. The other one. <laughs> uh, you know, the guy. Yeah, uh, the, the guy. Piano. And like shit like that where I think this just kind of, it like kind of crossed a lot of circles. It was like a $5 DVD you could buy kind of the same way with a comp. And mm-hmm. I feel like this kind of opened it up to even more people because I've read so many people reference that specific performance of it to me where I'm like, it's weird because it's just like on a rando DVD, which is not a thing anymore. Mm. Um, well, I I can I can unpause this because um, I paused it when you said to like maybe we should pause. So if you could, um, I'll I'll cue you in to do that. Could you just do it exactly the way you just did? Because it no. was really good. No. Oh shit. Okay. Um, so we actually did pause there to watch it. <coughs> Fucking transformative it's experience. Like, it, it's so perfect and a disaster all at the same time. Yep. There's no two ways about it. Like he is at 11 from that first chorus onward, just mm-hmm. screaming. Like it doesn't matter if he hits the notes. It, this is this is the way that you scream it when you're driving your car home at uh-huh. night and you're alone. Yeah, and it's just like having uh, Chris and Chuck come out to finish it as he goes into the crowd. Like I think there, it said kind of two things to me, and I think it's why you know maybe this is just from my own interactions with this specific thing. But like there were kids I went to like high school with and like junior high with who like didn't really know them and saw this and like got into it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it was just like the fact that like the dude from anti-flag who was a much more popular band was co-signing. Well, I don't know what the reasons were. Well, also like you think about what anti-flag was, they were like a band that could tour with the alkaline trio, but Mm. they're not like, uh, I guess they're not aligned like as far as the songs that they write other than they're being punk songs. It's, they're diametrically opposed in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I feel like there is a little bit of like, it, it, what that video kind of represents to me is that moment in time where you see like other people in that circuit and in that world being like, oh shit. Like when you're watching that clip, it's just like the entire back of the stage is them being watched by people in other bands. Mm-hmm then them coming out and singing it like th- this song clearly was hitting their peers too not just fans but like people were acknowledging this as like oh that's a fucking song yeah and that's kind of a crazy thing because not to say that other punk bands from this era did not have that same thing where like oh that's the track none of them really had the track that was this kind of song yeah and i think that said something and made a lot of people pay attention who maybe wouldn't otherwise give this band the time of day mm-hmm. um, and I think that's really what something like that did and it feels like a very concrete example of that yeah and I think that it's when you put it into those terms too it's pretty wild to think about the fact that there were so many bands of this ilk and the idea that you do a quiet loud quiet loud song to end your fucking record that's not like like rewriting the goddamn book no and people tried to like there's you close your record and you don't really have like a big list of like templates to choose from no nobody nobody did this with the like 
like perfection that this one did and and i don't think too many people did the other templates of how you close your record with perfection like this one does i mean i think that's a huge part of it and i think it's it's just so telling that when we really break this one down i think we're looking at the moment when a band from a world that had not really crossed over into that level of punk does Mm -hmm. i think there's a lot of history and importance to unpack with this song and what happens next like I genuinely don't know without a song like this, would they get to Vagrant? Yeah, that's but, a that's a really, really good point. Like without a song like this, you know, Warp Tour, shit like that, opening for fucking Blink-182, like this I think was a catalyst kind of thing because prior to this, they're on Asian Man. Mm-hmm. They're touring with ska bands and playing shows with like weirdo indie rock Chicago bands. And then all of a sudden, they are like the band that starts crossing those boundaries, you know, is doing plea for peace tours with bands like Cursive and shit. Mm -hmm. Like there's a it kind of opens the floodgates a lot more. Not to say that there aren't other great songs, but I really do believe that like this one kind of had a life to open that door for them, not only to other bands, but to like new kids who probably like. If they only listen to no effects, like yeah. this wasn't oh. going to be on their radar. Uh-huh. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. And I think that there's, there's a lot to be said about, I think the, the story of Alkaline Trio that, that we all live with is they make a record called God Damn It and it explodes. Mm-hmm. And that's true. But I think that the, what you're pointing out is the fact that radio is really the song mm-hmm. that carries from the Asian man uh, releases and moves them on into Vagrant. Like this is the like you can't take a single song from God Damn It and say like oh th- like this is the reason why they're you can't yeah and same with the I lied my face off EP. This is it. This is we've talked a lot about this band and their lack of like real hits. Mm-hmm. This is this is the hit. It is, and I think it's just so hard to talk about it because I think this song for me and I, you know, maybe not for most people, but like it's cycled in how much I've enjoyed it at various points in my life. Like when I first heard it, I was like this rules. And I do believe that like, you know, let's say even in terms of them touring around at that time, they're not playing huge shows, but let's say you buy the new Alkaline Trio record and then you're like, Oh, this song, I'm going to play it for my friend who doesn't like this kind of stuff. And I think there was a very natural expansion there. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point, like you said, it becomes the guitar riff that everyone plays when they're sitting down to strum on guitar. It becomes the song that everyone, you like Alkaline Trio and you're talking to people who maybe don't, they bring up this song. Yeah. Like, it become it's their set closer almost eternally mm-hmm. when they don't do it and then they start swapping between that 97 you know it's it just becomes what it is yeah like at a certain point it becomes the fucking green day good riddance where you're like i've heard it enough i don't care how good the song is i've heard it enough yeah and i think that it's it's inevitable that you reach other points like within that where it's like 
shaking like a dog shitting razor blades mm-hmm. goes from being the best yeah first line to kind of just like i that's that's weird and like maybe not a great first line mm-hmm. but then you come, come back, back around. around to how fucking great it is i mean this, this song in the truest sense is like my cipher for the whole band you know mm-hmm. where it's love it kind of soften when i really dig into it love it again yeah and yeah it's this is it's almost perfect that their hit is a song that's so imperfect mm-hmm. you know where it has so many things you can really critique but also i'm never going to let that trump what it is and what it represents and yeah. that's a weird space to be in with a singular track. Mm-hmm. I think that the there's such an experience of hearing this early on, the way that it kicks in. It's I think that one of the big reasons that this song gets shared so much is because of just that absolute like hold that it has mm-hmm. on you when it kicks in that it's you keep coming back for it and you keep like sharing it with people because you know that their eyes are going to go wide when they hear I've got a big fat fucking bone Mm. to pick with you my darling yeah yeah like ah I mean what I'll say and I kind of hit on it earlier is like that warp tour performance I think speaks to what how I really feel about it like I'm never putting this song on to like listen to when I listen to maybe I'll catch fire and it comes up like it does kind of feel like a nice resolve and a nice end cap to the record. So I don't even want to say like, I'm like, Oh, not listening to it then Mm -hmm. I have to be in the right frame of mind to put it on and and go through that process. But live, it never doesn't hit. Yeah. Like, especially like they wrote this and I guarantee you like I wasn't in the room, so I can't speak to it, but I would fucking put money on the fact that they did not expect that within five years they would be dropping out letting a crowd sing that last chorus and then coming back in and also it works naturally yeah so like they kind of stumbled into it it's there it's all the pieces are there and i think to that end i would be interested to find out about the early performances of this song because (laughs) I I could put money on the fact that the first performances of this song did not go well because no. it's quiet. People are talking over it. They're not paying attention. They're it's, If they've never heard it before, this is like not going to hit in the way that it does when you hear it. And I think that it takes, it probably took time for it to become mm-hmm. something that they could play because you have to get the audience to hush for it. Well, and I think that's a huge thing is a lot of set lists from that era, you know, when Glenn was still in the band and they were writing for it, I definitely haven't found early video evidence of them playing it before release. And even some of the performances I see of it, they're really once it's kind of, I think already got its hooks in people, mm-hmm. you know, it's already like maybe I'll catch fire era mm-hmm. uh, or sorry from here to infirmary era. Uh, this was maybe I'll catch fire. Era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. Uh, but 
like there's so much kind of just I I said it in the uh, if we never go inside episode that I don't know if Glenn could have gotten to a point with this band where he could have played the stuff he was playing on Good Morning. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a counterpoint to that because it's still distinctly him. Mm-hmm. It's still pretty busy, but I do think that is a huge part of why it works. There's a lot of little fills. There's a lot of little builds. There's a lot of like push and pull with it to those explosions. And it just has to work the way it does. He also brings it down in a very Glenn way, mm-hmm. which is like kind of abrupt. It's yes. very just like boom, boom, boom. Like he's yeah. the one that like slows the tempo back down, brings it to like a quiet bed for that last line. And we talked about Derek really like using the symbols for flares mm-hmm. like that so it's i yeah i think it is distinctly glenn in that it's just like such a like percussive drop down yeah i mean and i think it just also speaks to like even when i compare it to let's say within five years on either end of the release so we're gonna go from like 95 to 2005 for the sake of mm-hmm. the point i'm making here i don't know another band in the punk world, emo-y world, who's going for this on that scale, who was being this musical with it. Mm. Generally speaking, these types of things were all like acoustic ballads mm-hmm. or like still just kind of like straightforward power chord, soft picked shit. This was a bold choice. It feels yeah. weird to talk about it in that way in the present day, 20 years later, but it was a move. They were sticking their neck out. Like this could have either been what it became or the song people talked about after like, oh, fuck that song. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they were trying to do a big rock version of Enjoy Your Day. Like it was bold and you were either going to be with it or not with it at fucking all. Yeah. And the just the sheer <laughs> earnestness of all of it is doubling up on that commitment yeah like and you have to mm-hmm. the the amount of vulnerability in this song and the just the way that he screams it's it's so open to ridicule if mm-hmm. this song doesn't go over because it's not what you're supposed to do yeah and i'm sure it encouraged a lot of people to write songs that were terrible oh my god this is like, yeah, <laughs> this, it's like, um, I just watched this documentary about Ray Carver, this short story writer who's very similar to Hemingway in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, uh, a little bit more modern, but it's that simple prose that just looks so easy to copy, but nobody can do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that, yeah, you see... You see songs like this, but it's more in like the um, sort of the the emo world that's like, you know, get up gets four minute mile, mm-hmm. though it never goes that hard. But you think about, I don't know, I think like bands like Casket Lottery, Texas is the reason. Sure, sort of the, sure. But it's the it's more fact. Ar- it's more arty. It, it is more arty. And it's not just two notes, mm-hmm. one note. Two notes, one note. It's like you can play stuff high, but it's got like chords to it. It's got something underneath. There's nothing here. Well, and, and that's kind of my point. Like, 
those two bands in particular, Get Up Kids, like they kind of try, like they kind of get in those spaces, but it's never as A, B, A, B with it. Mm -hmm. And when they go for the full ballad, it's like, I'll catch you. Mm -hmm. Great song, but like, it's not that great. Yeah. But like, you know what I mean? It's, Mm -hmm. it's very pulled back. It's restrained for the whole way. Texas is the reason it's just moody, mm-hmm. you know, like when you think of the closing song in the LP, it's just, it's five minutes of slowly building around a singular riff. Not that dissimilar from this, but they- it's such a, it goes from five, three, ten, four. Yeah. Yes. You know, and that's my point. It's like, this was a punk band. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the difference between Jawbreaker writing Want and then two years later writing Accident Prone. Yeah. It's a very quick evolution. Two years later. Want an accident prone? Want was the late 80s. Yeah, accident prone is on Dear You. Yeah. It's 95. No, well, that's my point, is that this is them doing that in two years. Oh, in two years. And going from writing goddammit songs. Yes. You know, there's a very quick jump. Mm -hmm. Whereas like a band like that, it took years and years to, to get to the place where they could pull it off. This is them trying to pull it off and maybe not having the budget or even really the vocabulary to do it. Yo, and that's the thing, too, that I, again, I don't listen to the recorded version of this very much for the the same reasons that you talked about. But think about the, I, I, every time I listen to it on recording again, I remember that this is big but it's not it's no. never as big as i remember it being no that's it's the thing just an extra guitar track i mean that's the thing is when you actually look into the source material they were not going for broke with it it was treated in the same way that they treated most everything else mm-hmm. that's really what is so wild about it to me is because it seems like there's an acute awareness of what it is and what it needs. But I think, you know, good morning era onward, they're going to treat it so differently. It's going to muddy it up. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of my point is like, they took the jump from being able to write really memorable punk songs to really great songs. Mm -hmm. And there's a distinction there. Like the reason that this one is hit so hard is because people don't view it as a punk song. Mm -hmm. They just think it's a great song. Yeah, it is a great song. And I think that it has this, it has this collected energy that we all take from hearing it for the first time, hearing it over and over and over again, where what you're hearing when it's I've got a big fat fucking bone to pick mm-hmm. is so much bigger than it ever was originally. And that's because it always feels bigger. Yes. And you're you've you've heard it once and then you've moved on with the oh, and here's the part where everything explodes and it's the craziest thing you've ever heard mm-hmm. and take that forward and also go see this band however many times and see it with thousands of people yes. screaming it yes along with it i think that like i feel like the chuck reagan 
cover or the Hot Water Music cover probably has to have a huge impact on the way that it continues to reach. Definitely doesn't outwards. hurt. Oh my god! I mean, that's the thing is like that cover is pretty spot on. Like obviously Chuck's cover of Bleeder, as we discussed, is real A plus material there. Mm-hmm. But they do a great job of this thing, and it's you know it's it's just such a kind of standard bearer for a thing. Um, I don't know if you mentioned this on mic or off mic because we stopped, but they still seem to have an excitement about playing this song live that a lot of bands who have this type of thing don't, Mm -hmm. or I think try to fuck with it a little too much. Um, You can see a joylessness sometimes in someone trotting out the hit. Oh yeah. You know, or, or you go Radiohead and purely dismiss it Mm -hmm. for a long time, Yeah, you know, which I get. But I think they've always owned it, and I think there's always been a pride with it. But we've been saying a lot of positives. Let's dig into what those negatives would be. Like, let's, let's, you've hit on the lyrics up top, but the lyrics in the chorus are not particularly flattering and are about as, like, violent as it gets towards a subject. Absolutely. Um, which is, you know, maybe that's why it's big. Who's, who's to fucking say? Yeah. I, I think that there is something to be said about the ability that anybody has to have a you that this song is referencing in their lives. Absolutely. Regardless of of gender identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously I've brought it up before. Matt was openly bisexual through a lot of this time, had dated men in the Chicago punk scene. Mm-hmm. I don't want to default assume it was a woman, but he's also not the type who I think has ever flaunted queerness in a way that, mm-hmm. y- you know, one could argue there were signs. And, yeah. But, you know. I don't. I don't think that there are too many people who are um, – taking from this a, a a a vague notion that or like any sort of um what's the yeah i guess it is just vagueness of like this is a dude that's singing about a woman yeah um and in through that lens it's it's tough it's it is. tough to look at and it's tough to sit with it it should have been tough then mhm um, I will say like, you know, this is also, I think comparatively at the same time, there were definitely bands going much further with it. Save today being a big counterpoint yeah. who are very aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, this is definitely like a, Hey, go kill yourself song, mm-hmm. which is an interesting wrinkle. Um, and I don't think that's something that should be off limits by any means, but it is something that is like. When you really break it down, you have that immediate reaction of like, fuck, yes, I resonate this. But there's a lot of ugliness and there's a lot more just plain spokenness than his other shit that occasionally drifts into those territories. I mean, like I can put my own experience in here of being 14 years old and telling uh, people who I didn't like to like go kill themselves Mm -hmm. that's wrong yeah and i think that there's you know there's a level of of responsibility that comes with the types of messaging that comes out that 
indicates to anybody that something like that is right. Mm-hmm. Um, that you are your righteous anger is justified. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that Alkaline Trio are the only musicians to do it. I don't think that music is the only thing to do this. I don't think. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Um, and I also think that being fourteen is probably just the that's part of it that's the biggest part of it i think is that you 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 grow out of that hopefully mm-hmm. um but you know i think that if it, i think that it's it's so okay for us to address that and to understand that yeah this isn't this isn't a positive part of of this song sure but let's stack that negative against all of the other positives. And I think the fact that they've been so generally speaking outspoken had done so many like plea for peace tours and anti-racist comps. And, you know, Matt had, you know, I think very much like stood up for good things across the course of this band's career Mm -hmm. that I definitely think this is an aberration. Yes. And I I think you could argue that, like, sure, maybe it is reductive and not necessarily good. Would I say it's outright misogynistic? No. Um, But there is some genuine hate towards what is a presumed female character. Now we can obviously get into the uh, difficult waters of why do we in music always assume that the person singing it is the narrator? And mm-hmm. not from a third-person perspective. Absolutely. But I think more often than not, especially in the early going of Matt's career, he was being the narrator. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's an insane jump to make. Right, right. So that is what it is. Yeah. And I think that I think that his... We've stopped every single time this has happened, and it's happened many times the amount of empathy that exists in Matt's writing aside from here is absolutely like just it's thick, it's deep, it's meaningful. Mm -hmm. And I think in, in counterpoint to a lot of his contemporaries, he is much more like, uh, warm yes yes but um you know i think also like the, there's just the fact that they wrote this song in a fucking basement and the the fact that it's been like listened to by millions of people millions of times is, is i don't think that he was just thinking that that was ever gonna happen i mean i i would all but about it like you know we know the two houses the literal locations we've been in one of them where they were he was probably writing this and where they were practicing it Mm -hmm. the hermitage house and the Nalbian house Mm -hmm. so like this was a record that they also famously wrote really quick and recorded really quick so this just spilled the fuck out of him yeah you know the time frame between like i lied my face off and this getting written and released it's not that long and they're going through drummer shifts. Like, oh, there's a lot of crazy shit happening. Um, the fact that a song of this caliber comes out of that, I think, really just means there wasn't too much thought going into much of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this, 
What do you rate it? I mean, it's, it's a five. It's a five. Regardless five. of whether yeah. or not I want to put it on every single day. Oh, my God. To yeah. pretend this isn't what it is mm-hmm. would be ridiculous. Um, I would be curious to hear from people who outright don't like it, not because of overplay or popularity, but don't think it's a good song. But I've not encountered that opinion. Yes. Um, and I would say if there is an opinion that we got a little bit too lib on the uh, lyrics mm-hmm. going on here, hold the phone. It's okay. It's all right to take a look at these things and yeah. to learn lessons from them. And, and still appreciate the thing. Absolutely. I think that is always the balance that I want to strike when talking about these things. Like, I don't want to think just because something is flawed that it means you can't enjoy it or I can't enjoy it. Like, I just gave the song five fucking stars mm-hmm. and would go as far as saying it's basically perfect. Yeah. And that's perfection because of the flaws. So that's fine. Hey, speaking of perfection because of the flaws, we've been in three different rooms yes. recording this podcast. 100 episodes. You we did you, it. You survived a tumor. I survived a Surgeon. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and we made it out and we just want to say thank you to everyone who's been a supporter of this show in, in whatever terms, um, just a listener. We did it because we thought it would be fun and we figured some people would enjoy it. There are more than some and everything that comes after that is just gravy. We are really really thankful for uh the opportunity um i have gained a one of my best friendships of my entire life doing this show my body is like quietly burping off mic yeah i'm sorry for that uh but yes i agree and i am so happy to see the community that has built up around us just hanging out and gabbing gabbing baby we got a Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. You've heard this thing before. You know the spiel. We're just happy to be doing it. We're happy that you joined us this week. And now on to the next on to 300. One. Oh, boy. On towards 300. On towards, on towards 1,000. Onward to go with the. We'll see you then. Thanks, Bubba's. Bye.